0: Welcome back to Historical Context. Today we continue our colonization of New England unit, and we're continuing to talk about the Plymouth Pilgrims and the Plymouth Colony. And where we last left off, we were at the end of March of 1621, where the Pilgrims, after four months of being in America, finally meet the natives and form two separate alliances. They're also introduced to Samoset and Squanto, two natives who could speak good English, or or at least mostly good English, and so the colony seems to be off to a good start as the springtime arrives. April of 1621 is noted for two departures, the Mayflower heading back to London and the passing of the colony's first governor, John Carver. John Carver was 56 years old at the time of his death, and Bradford notes that his illness struck after coming out of the fields on a hot day. Carver's widow would die five to six weeks later. Chosen to be the second governor of the colony was William Bradford one of the authors we've been following heavily in this unit, as he wrote of Plymouth Plantation. Bradford had not quite recovered from his illness, so they appointed an assistant, a man by the name of Isaac Allerton. The two would work together for the next several years. The colony debates whether or not to send a delegation to the Massasoit tribe, and in early July, 2021, William Bradford sends Edward Winslow and Stephen Hopkins to check out their native kingdom. Squanto accompanied them as their guide. The Massasoit lived about 40 miles away, and they were still recovering from the plague that had hit a few years earlier. Thousands had died, and they were unable to bury all of the bodies So, skulls and bones were openly visible above the ground in many places. Could you imagine that? Word also came that the Narragansett, which lived to the west, had not been affected by the plague and numbered in the thousands. That's not good news for the Plymouth pilgrims, as we learned from the last episode, this tribe was not friendly towards the English. They were received well in the Massasoit village, being presented with a type of bread. One of Winslow's observations sounded more like a post-apocalyptic world. Let's have a look. The ground is very good on both sides, it being for the most part cleared. Thousands of men have lived there, which died in a great plague not long since. And pity it was and is to see so many goodly fields and so well seeded without men to dress and manure the same. I got the feeling of watching the movie I Am Legend and seeing how things had been abandoned. So Winslow is seeing these fields which once had been cared for by many men now laying in waste because the plague had wiped so many of them out. A Narragansett native was spotted, and a fellow native on the expedition, who was a a guide, noted that they were not to be trusted. They came upon another native man and two women. The women had roasted crab, fishes, and dried shellfish which they shared with the expedition in exchange for beads. They got to the Massasoit town of Poconocket where they waited for the chief to arrive. The chief's name was also Massasoit. Massasoit affirmed the peace between his tribe and the colonists and he also offered to help the colonists with corn seed. Massasoit then made a speech the men and the village. So this is something interesting because we have covered, especially in our 16th century explorers unit, some of the interactions with natives, and I think this is the first time we've seen a native chief actually address his village, in the writings at least. The group stayed all the next day and left the following morning with Massasoit leaving Squanto with him and sending another native in his place to serve as interpreter. They returned to the colony after walking through a day-long rainstorm and having an inconsistent supply of food, but the guide's ability to fish helped preserve the health of the colonists. Meanwhile, an administrative problem arose in the colony. The Mayflower Compact lacked the authority of the English government, and therefore a representative of the Council of New England by the name of John Pierce, went to the Crown and obtained an official land patent known as the Pierce Patent in 1621. It basically gave legal authority to the Mayflower Compact. So I'm sure not a lot of people know that. The Mayflower Compact is seen as this big document, but it needed royal affirmation. At the same time, colonist John Billington wandered off and got lost. Oh no. And we've seen this before in Jamestown. That's, that's a, a scary thing to have happen. Bradford only mentions the incident in one paragraph, but he notes that Billington was gone for five days wandered 20 miles to the south, and lived off of Berries before finding a native village. He was sent to another native village, where word got to Plymouth regarding his whereabouts. He was located at Cape Cod with a Nauset village, who made peace with the colony. Winslow, while on the way to get Billington, stops... At another village and makes this somber observation. Let's have a look. One thing was very grievous unto us at this place. There was an old woman whom we judged to be no less than a hundred years old, which came to see us because she never saw English, yet could not behold us without breaking forth into great passion, weeping and crying excessively. We, demanding the reason of it, they told us she had three sons who, when Master Hunt was in these parts, went aboard his ship to trade with him, and he carried them captives into Spain. For Tisquanum, who was also known as Squanto, at this time, was also carried away, by which means she was deprived of the comfort of her children in her old age. We told them we were sorry for that any Englishman should give them any offense, that Hunt was a bad man, and that all the English that heard of it condemned him for the same. But for us, We would not offer them any such injury, though it would gain us all the skins in the country. So we gave her some small trifles, which somewhat appeased her. So the wounds of Captain Hunt's expedition still ran through these areas. When the colonists get there, they discover that Billington was with the same tribe as the small group of natives in the firefight the previous winter. Oh boy, and we read about that in last week's episode. When docking at the village, the natives wanted the group to bring the boat further inland, but Winslow was very concerned about their motives. The strength of the natives also worried Winslow and the Pilgrims, because the colony was so poorly guarded against such numbers. Once Billington was recovered, they hurried back to Plymouth. At this point, a new native named Habamock becomes acquainted with the pilgrims and befriends the colony. He and Squanto went to conduct business with another native named Corbatant, who was allied with the Massasoit, but not real keen on English presence in the region. Winslow referred to Corbaton in his writings as petty. In the meeting between the three, there was a struggle and Habemok was able to run away, but he and the Pilgrims feared that Squanto had been killed. So now they believe Squanto is dead. The Pilgrims surrounded Corbaton's home, only to find that he wasn't home and that Squanto was still alive. Three other natives were found wounded, wounded by Corbatant, and had their wounds dressed by the Pilgrims. Corbatant would make peace, if you will, with the Pilgrims through the Massasoit, but according to Bradford, he would always keep his distance. In September, a small group left their little ship to go north and meet the Massachusetts tribe. Winslow noted that the Massachusetts often threatened them or as they were informed by some of their guides. Squanto would serve as an interpreter on this trip. During the visit, Squanto would advise the pilgrims to raid the skins and goods of the native women because they were bad people, but the pilgrims had other ideas. Let's have a look. But our answer was, were they never so bad, we would not wrong them or give them any just occasion against us. For their words, we weighed them. But if they once attempted anything against us, then we would deal far worse than he desired. So Squanto did not like these natives, but the pilgrims were not going to essentially fire the first shot in anything that would, you know, bring ill will upon the colony or those relations. The Pilgrims were received well, but told of a tribe called the Tarentines, who would come from the east, steal these natives' corn, and kill some of them. As a result, the colonists cautiously but safely returned to Plymouth in time for the harvest. Now we're, we're in 1621 and that year's harvest would set the stage for what the pilgrims are likely best known for in our history and that is the first Thanksgiving. And we'll talk about that story next time on Historical Context.